0: Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com/masters.
1: When we are coming up with the kit, it's it's to keep it as almost as general as possible to target as wide of an audience as possible, you know.
0: Hey, my name is Felix and I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each and every week we'll learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn how to create product kits for your business, how to set customer expectations when you're shipping from multiple vendors, and how to find and evaluate writers for your store's blog. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Vai from Stealth Angel Survival. Stealth Angel Survival is the premier site to find essential outdoors, camping, hiking, adventure, and survival equipment. And we started in 2017 and based off Los Angeles. Welcome, Kristen Vai. How's
1: it going? Hey Felix, how are you?
0: Good, good. So, where did this idea come from?
1: We we've been kind of you know we have a little bit of a background in uh, the outdoors, so we were kind of looking at different types of verticals, looking at you know what we could do. As far as you know these types of products are concerned uh, we had kind of looked at you know a lot of guys out there different types of products they're selling uh, we just had a need for it ourselves you know especially when when it comes to someone like the uh, like a package type of product or a kit type of product so which like is stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's mainly like you know we wanted to put together uh, kits you know because right you know, a lot of people don't really Know what they need, what to purchase, so they end up piecing together things that you know don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Kind of. So we came up with you know uh, the idea to you know have some pre-made uh, kits for people uh, to purchase for yeah. uh, from hiking to emergency uh, situations to anything like that.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned that you had experience in the outdoor space already. Was this like um, hobbies or did you guys work in the space already?
1: No, maybe just hobbies. Uh, but this was one where, you know, we kind of coupled the hobby with, uh, uh, you know, the business really and mm-hmm. uh, the next level.
0: So you guys have started businesses in the past?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have.
0: Got it. Now you mentioned that you, when you were looking around for for something to get into, it sounded like you guys were, you know, had time or had the, the the energy and all the other business that you're creating to focus on this particular industry. What what did you see in the marketplace that made you recognize that there was opportunity for you guys to get in there?
1: Yeah. So one of the main things we kind of saw uh, was that you know a, a lot of the brands out there were very. Um, kind of specific in what they were doing you know so we looked at some competitors so let's say there were like you know survival type items or tactical gear like people were very very kind of specific so either geared towards like let's say clothing or specifically like let's say hiking or or too general yeah yeah they were kind of like you know it's either like a big five type of competitor or somebody that's very 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 specific on something you know so we would run into, you know, tactical, let's say, clothing sites that would only do just gear, you know, and they wouldn't provide uh, some of the tools. Or, you know, you would run into, you know, like a general store that had just about everything that, you know, you can't really, you know, um, pick what you want, you know, what you need. Uh, so we kind of saw, you know, wide wide variety of stuff. And and a lot of the products that we were like researching, we didn't see a lot of these guys carrying. so. You know, it's kind of how we we
0: got into it. Yeah. So you guys have had a hobby in in um in this, this space, but it's it's kind of spawns a couple of things, right? It sounds like there's of course outdoors camping adventure, uh, you know, gear for people to to go out on, on hikes and go camping. But then a bit of a big portion of it in the name of your business is around survival, uh, equipment. So t- tell us a little bit more about how these two two almost in two different. At least to me they they're very adjacent interests you know people that might be into hiking might also be interested in survival gear, but it's still kind of two different demographics or interests. How did you guys know to tie these two together
1: yeah so that that kind of came about uh just by just listening to to our customers really you know we would have people buying you know certain gear and then asking for something complementary, but then what we noticed was a lot of people were kind of kind of like you said like it's It's a little bit related because, you know, if they're buying, let's say, you know, uh, a hiking type of product, you know, that could also, in many cases, it could be used for a survival type scenario, you know. So we would see like, you know, the people that were really kind of prepared or were enthusiasts in, in that, in, you know, hiking or outdoors or things like that were often, you know, prepared as well for an emergency type situation, you know, so... You know, off the bat it doesn't seem like they go hand in hand, but when you when you think about it as as far as the products are concerned, you know, they're very complementary to each other.
0: Right. That that makes a lot of sense. So you guys saw that there was room in the middle, right? You recognized that either companies or other businesses were too niche. They had, they served only one small purpose or they were too general and they weren't, uh, you know, specialized in the, the target mark that you're going after. So you saw room in the middle. I think you mentioned in, in, uh, in my research that you guys started with just one product and grew from there. And like you're saying, you were listening to your customers. What was that one product that you started with?
1: Yeah, so the one, one product was the uh, the eight in one Stealth Angel kit that we have, and and the reason why we kind of chose that to start with was number one, it was very affordable, a good starter product. But at the same time, you know that kit, it's it has so many unique items in it that you know we've had, you know even the the hardcore enthusiasts just buy it just to have, you know, just because it's so cheap and it has so much stuff in it that they could just throw around and cars or give it to people or or whatever it is you know so it was like a it was almost like a a product that covered several bases that allowed us to get uh, off to a good start Mm
0: -hmm. and when you are when you were growing the the catalog and you're choosing your next products, you mentioned that you're listening to customers. So was this just kind of passively through customer service emails or nowadays or even back then, what were you doing to make sure that you really had an ear to your customers, you really understood what they wanted next?
1: Yeah, so man, we really, really got into it. You know, we were looking at, you know, between the two of us, pretty much every single email, every single Facebook post. Instagram post, uh, Twitter, you, you name it. We were just, you know, we spent a lot of time just reading and listening, you know. <laughs> it's like it's one of those things where, you know, you, you, you have to know what's going on, especially when you launch a new product, you know. It's like it might be a great idea to you, but once it's out in the marketplace, you really have to keep, uh, you know, your eyes and ears wide open to see what people are saying, you know. So we've been mm-hmm. doing that pretty much every single product that we have is, you know, we'll do our testing on our end you know uh, you know go through several you know phases of giving it to close friends people to test out to use to do all that until we introduce it but once we do we really you know like to keep our uh, eyes and ears open to see what's going on
0: mm-hmm. how large approximately how large is your catalog today
1: In catalog today we have about 100 different skus that are items that we house ourselves that we own the inventory to and then we also have, uh, I don't know the exact number, but we have uh, quite a large selection of items that uh, we drop ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, over 400 at least items that are drop shipped. Uh, and, and that's using you know, some of the Shopify uh, apps you know, to link up with you know, people in our space uh, to, uh, to basically offer their products as well, and their SKUs as well. Yeah,
0: I like how you complement your own products with dropship products, and to some degree, or to, like you're saying, dropshipping is uh, has even larger uh, or more SKUs in your in your entire catalog. What's the? How do you manage this? How do you manage having both your own products and and also dropship products? Is there is there a, a workflow that has helped you guys?
1: I'm not necess- nothing too specific. You know, uh, it's a little bit. Tough to answer that one, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we look at, you know, our fulfillment center, which is which is our own. Uh, you know, we go through the orders, segment out, you know, what's ours, what's not. You know, you have situations sometimes where, you know, a customer will buy your product coupled with the dropship items. So you have, you know, two separate shipments going to them. Uh, but yeah, the workflow is, is pretty basic, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Our fulfillment manager uh, goes through it. You know, sees if we need to ship it or if we need to submit the order uh, to to the uh, drop shipper to ship for us, and mm-hmm. we just kind of go from there.
0: Now, how do you decide which products you should hold in your as your own inventory versus products that you should just continue to drop ship?
1: Right. So uh, one of the ways is is since we were starting out uh, kind of fresh, uh, some of the like branded type of products it, it takes a little a little bit of time to become like a whole uh, retailer or reseller of them so we would see things that were branded and that you know these were things that we had used or or uh, knew the brand or had friends that had used it or or whatever the situation was and we added, we decided to add those you know in, in our catalog through the dropshippers that were offering them so it's it's mainly like the
2: branded type of stuff that we started uh dropshipping and we also order some like lifestyle and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah. So yeah, and even with some of the
1: branded stuff, uh, uh, we have some. We also hold some of that inventory ourselves. You know, I, I guess. I guess to kind of summarize it is just you know how easy can we get a product uh, versus just you know kind of offering one that's out there that's established and you know might not be available to everybody.
0: Got it. So if it's something that you could easily procure uh, yourself, you'll go with that. And if, if you can offer some value to a customer by presenting them with a, a product that you found that you can drop ship, you would do that. Whatever is e- such an easiest to get to the customer. Yeah, yeah, Got exactly. It. Uh, so you mentioned that the, the both of you were spending a lot of time uh, poring over social media, reading everything to get feedback from your customers and understand what they want next. You, know, you But you, you can't take everyone's advice, right? Everyone has something that has an opinion and you just won't be able to to act on everyone's uh, thoughts on what you should include in your site. So how do you decide the kind of priority of what you should rank high in terms of a product that someone is mentioning versus something that you might you know kind of throw into the backlog and, and come? back to later
1: yeah that's um it's kind of i don't know coming a little bit from that space i guess i guess part of it is just intuition like just thinking you know you know would i buy this you know if if somebody's talking about it like does it make sense is it a good fit for us uh you know where you know can we develop something like this can we brand out something like this or are we just going to be you know kind of chasing our tails with you know a random product that doesn't really, you know, just, uh-huh. you know, have that ring to it, you know? Right. It's a, uh, yeah. I'd say a lot of it is just kind of knowing the space a little bit and just, you know, hearing uh-huh. from consumers and knowing what type of consumers we have to say, Hey, I think we could sell this versus, yeah, I don't know if this one would fly, you know?
0: Yeah. Have you ever been surprised by something that someone that you, you heard of a customer's asking for, and then you never even considered adding it to your, your catalogs? I'm assuming since you're, you're in this space and you are, uh, you know, selling these kind of products, you must see a lot or must at least have an idea of all the possible possible things you can add to your store. But ever, has there, anyone ever made a suggestion that you guys were like, wow, I never thought about adding that and then it was actually successful.
1: No, I don't think so, man. Mm-hmm. No, really. Like,
0: yeah, that makes sense that you probably already kind of have an idea of the entire catalog, but obviously you want to be selective and and, uh, and go with what customers are actually demanding.
2: Yeah, well, so,
1: some of the stuff I'll tell you is, you know, th- there have been certain suggestions on products that, you know, we've wanted to add, but we've just had limitations in doing so uh-huh. just based on, you know, the type of marketing we do and things like that. You know, for example, you know, we have a big community of people that want, you know, like, Everything from like collector knives to like switchblade type of items and things like that. And we just, you know, uh, we haven't added it to the site uh, just because of, you know, the different avenues of our uh, marketing spend and and where we, you know, buy media and all that uh, kind of frown upon certain things like that, you know. So we've stayed away from that just to not get caught up in, you know, accounts being banned or advertisers Mm -hmm. being banned and things like that. but. Yeah.
0: right that makes sense now you you, you guys have uh, you like we mentioned you your own inventory you also do drop shipping and I think other entrepreneurs out there that even might just do solely drop shipping they will have like you mentioned you'll have shipments coming from different vendors right people that are shipping from your in your case your warehouse versus uh, that the drop shipper shipping the, the product from there now how do you communicate this to to customers to set their expectations when there are different shipping times and they might might in their head imagine that it's all coming from the same business, but it's being dropshipped in one case versus coming straight from your, your warehouse. Do you have to communicate this? Have you found a good way to communicate this to your customers?
1: The one way we do it is, uh, just through like the email confirmations when we can, now that we can't always do that. Uh, but you know, that's, that's the best way we do it. Uh, and you know, if it's a certain dropship item, or if we know that an item is going to be really delayed because of the dropship program, or, or or something a scenario like that, you know, we'll give them a heads up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, really, we haven't found a great way, I would say, to do that. Do you find
0: that customers typically uh, care, or do you is that, is that has it been an issue?
1: It hasn't been too much of an issue, uh, but yeah, sometimes they do actually. You know, if if people are, you, you know, listeners are are looking to do this sometimes people do just because you know when you let's say you upload a tracking number you know they, they get an item and you know only part of it is delivered mm-hmm. you know a customer will think you know there's an error and and you know they'll contact you saying hey you know the tracking shows delivered but i only got half my order right or something along those lines the best way that i'll tell you we do it is because we ship our our own product you know in almost every circumstance we know our own product is shipped quicker than the right. dropshipper. Uh, what we'll do is actually when we print the, our uh, 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 like the shipping label, the insert, uh, we'll we'll notify them in that mm-hmm. insert. You know, so we'll stamp that that uh, that shipping label inside the uh, package, and we'll say, you know, this item will be shipped to you separately, or it's coming separately, or something along those lines. So. At least we kind of know that when, if they get our product first, which is most cases, when they open it up, they'll see, you know, the, uh, the insert and they'll say, hey, you know, this part of the order was shipped separately. Should get to you pretty quickly.
0: Right. Uh, that just, makes sense. Yeah. Now, how how are you guys able to? I can understand like you had a big customer base at at a certain point to listen to understand what products add to next, and that's like the the best kind of product, the best kind of market research you can get because you're now using you have so much data about what about what how to make your business decisions. But when you're starting off, well, first of all, how did you kick this entire entire business off the ground? How were you able to get your first you know hundred customers?
1: Yeah, so the first was basically, you know, when we got the, the product that we kind of decided to, to launch, uh, we first first initially started with, uh, you know, Facebook ad campaigns. Uh, then, you know, slowly kind of started testing out other uh, uh, ad networks to see, you know, where we get traction from, where we don't. But yeah, to answer your question, basically the first sale came from a Facebook advertisement for us.
0: Got it. So you, these were the ads featuring the eight and one kit.
1: Yeah, yeah, the eight and one kit. You know, we made several banners. We actually photographed the product ourselves. We created videos ourselves. You know, really from you know ground up uh, is uh, how we got that one going. That mm-hmm. kind of led into all all the other stuff.
0: Yeah. Now, what was your, what's your approach back then and, and, and today, too, if it's different, towards uh, how, how you set up your, your ad campaigns on Facebook?
2: It's larger. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd imagine.
2: We, we, we made our ads a little more general. Before, we used to target yeah. more specific to like people who were outdoors and survival and stuff like that. And then as time went on, we started going more and more general and just growing it out that way.
0: Got it. It's because at this point, you're just trying to, to reach uh, more people into kind of the top of your funnel to just build the, the brand. Like, well, what's the, the idea behind making the ads uh, more, more general?
2: It's pretty much to build a brand. So like, even if they're not interested in that one specific product, then we have our remarketing go out and pitch them other products if they weren't interested in that one. So that's why pretty much we're going more general now that we have more products.
0: Right, makes sense. So th- this this eight in one kit that you guys put together was this uh, procured from multiple suppliers, or like talk to talk talk to talk to us about how you put this kit together.
1: Yeah, so uh, we had seen something similar to this uh, in you know different areas that we were looking. We actually had to modify this one, so we got something that was kind of in the market and made our own modifications to it. And, you know, one of the key things that we had to change with this, like uh, it goes back to what I was saying before is, you know, this is, it had a little like a switchblade type of knife that we had to take out. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, as we s- were selling it, you know, you, you do need to find some of the items separately, you know. So what we did is we kind of, you know, started with that. Then we made a nine in one, you know, 10 in one. Now we're making different ones. And, yeah, you need to source it from multiple, multiple areas, you know, multiple places. Uh, depending on what you want to put in it. Um, But yeah, it it started with one, kind Mm -hmm. of dumbed it down and then (laughs) revved it up again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd imagine that this, this approach of creating kits Makes a lot of sense, right? For, for, you're doing it for different purposes, right? You have it for, for the camping. You know, is there survival? Like you can create kits for lots of different purposes for you, for your site. So I can imagine that other businesses and other industries can take the same approach and create kits of, of products. Now, how do you decide what to include in, in a kit? Like what kind of questions do you ask yourself or do you ask customers to decide what should be included in that kit?
1: Yeah. So first, First thing we do is pretty much, you know, come up with a, a scenario kind of, like, all right, is this thing for outdoors? Is it for, you know, an emergency? Is it, you know, what is this really for? Uh, you know, so you'll kind of have some boundaries on, you know, what makes sense to include and what not to include. But most importantly, you know, when we are coming up with the kit, it's it's to keep it as almost as general as possible to target as wide of an audience as possible, you know? So you know, we've seen a lot of like specialist kits out there, and you know, th- there's some guys in, in our space that kind of do like monthly programs and things like that. But you know, we figure you know you start with something very very broad, and then slowly you know come down and modify it to like the like an enthusiast level. You know, does
0: does that mean you you offer multiple kits then, or what does it mean to to have something general and then more uh, specialized?
1: Yeah. So for example, I'll give you kit. Uh, I'll give you an example for the, uh, the, uh, the 81 kit is, you know, we, we developed the first, the very first one. And, you know, as we kind of went along, we've seen, you know, some people, you know, they want something a little bit bigger, a little bit, you know, more thorough or more items in it, you know, which leads to a higher price point, but they want a little bit more in the same kind of, uh, you know, compactness, you know, so it's, it's you know you get feedback from people saying that hey you know I I could use you know a signaling mirror why doesn't the kid have it you know that, that's that's a great addition to it or you know I'm looking for you know a different type of carrying case because I want it on me at all times uh you know th- things like that you know you kind of you know when you build it general you you get some of the feedback that you know makes you think like hey maybe we should have this version of it or maybe we should have a more thorough one or you know more expensive one or you know something a little bit less less bulky mm-hmm. You know, yeah,
0: right. So I'm I'm not sure exactly in, in the case in your industry, uh, in other in other industries, other categories, it often seems like um, the 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 highly advanced uh, people that are in the space, highly advanced customers, typically stay away from kits and they, they want to kind of pick and choose and specialize and 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 make their own choices. Do you find the case? Uh, do you find this is similar in in your business where it is more attractive towards towards beginners like these kits versus uh, the more I guess advanced uh expert level kind of customers?
1: Right, right. So when it comes to like the uh, camping or outdoors types of kits, uh, that's true. However, at the same time, you know, a lot of those types of customers also buy it for, uh, you know, friends, mm-hmm. relatives, family members that might not be into this, this field as much. Um, so we, we see that there. But as far as like, let's say, the emergency type of products, emergency kits and things like that, um, those ones you, we don't get too much you know too many customers that are the enthusiasts or right. kind of in that sp- in that category you know they're more of like the uh, prepper type of crowd
0: do you also make the, the individual items available as well that, that are that can be purchased separately from the kits
1: yeah yeah for sure we always do that uh, you know it's, it's, it's an extra item it's you know on, on its own you know it's might be priced a little bit higher it kind of makes the kit actually look a little bit more of a better value but right you know you know sometimes people want you know they get one item in the kit they like it you know like our pens are very hot you know people see it they're like oh you know might as well pick up a few more have it laying around the car or give it to a family member or, or what have you.
0: Mhm. And now that you you're you're building larger and larger kits with more individual items, what kind of new challenges come into play when you do start building larger kits of uh, of products?
1: Yeah, so it's that's a good question, man. It's kind of, you know, when you start doing that, you know, you have to kind of go for I guess more of an advanced product, you know, which could be a little bit sometimes you know, harder to source or requires a little bit more investment or, you know, something along those lines. But yeah, when you start building bigger kits, it's just more moving parts, but at the same time, you know, uh, still, you know, useful to have, you know, to offer just because, you know, you just have an additional, you know, kit, you're going to get an additional customer or somebody more advanced or somebody that wants, you know, something bigger. But, yeah, just mm-hmm. sourcing and, and finding the right product is, is what gets, you know, kind of tricky, you know?
0: Right. So you guys started this business only last year, 2017, but have had a lot of success. Can you, can you give us an idea of how successful the business has grown to today?
1: So the business, uh, it grew from, you know, about, uh, I believe we were around $20,000 a month in sales and revenue.
2: The first month. Yeah, first
1: month to it's just a little bit over uh uh the seven figure mark now in revenue monthly revenue uh split up by you know and it's not only necessarily just the uh the website you know that's another thing that i would kind of you know tell other other uh, listeners to to get into is to look at other avenues of you know selling your product really you know whether it's through Wholesale channels or retail channels or things like that, you know, but that's that's kind of where we stand now and it's uh, uh, Just continually growing
0: there. Yeah, that's certainly tremendous growth now, now Can you tell us a little bit about a time where you were this is kind of a two-part question? Tell us about a time where you were most terrified during the the the, the growth uh, the creation of this business and then also tell us a, a time where you were you felt like you were most on track and Felt like we are actually doing this, we're succeeding.
1: Yeah, so I, I guess uh, the first part, one of the, the kind of scarier times was when a lot of the disasters happened over the uh, summer. You know, we noticed a uh, uh, lot of, you know, uptick in orders. Uh, you know, people were kind of, you know, the, the, the atmosphere or the environment around us was kind of like, you know, people were, you know, coming to the site almost, I wouldn't say to be saved, but to, you know, kind of stock up on things and be prepared for, you know, the next hurricane that was coming. And then this was like back to back to back. You had, you know, natural disasters. So that was a little bit scary in that, you know, it's almost as if you kind of take somebody's, you know, mind off of off of uh, being prepared by offering these types of products. But at the same time, you know, you need to be able to, ship and deliver these things on time because some of these people were really affected by what was happening, you know, and and a lot of suppliers at that time were constrained with their inventory because, you know, everyone was just in a frenzy to, to be prepared, you know? So we had kits that we were, you know, shipping out that were in some cases late because they contained certain items that were kind of allocated to areas that were going through several disasters. You know, for example, like, you know, in our emergency kits, you know, there was a shortage of food and water uh, in a lot of places uh, and not necessarily because they were selling out, but just because a lot of suppliers were just, you know, kind of, I mean, they were selling, but at the same time they were helping, you know, donating a lot of items and this and that. And, you know, that was, I'd say that was kind of the a pretty scary uh, time mm-hmm. just because people are relying on you and, you know, it's kind of up to you to, you know, make sure they get their orders on time,
0: you know. Right, and, and what about a time where you guys felt like you got you had the? I think as an entrepreneur, you're always feeling like you you're barely holding on. But what what has been the time where you felt like things were going really well, and you felt that 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 taste of success for the first time?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's probably right after that rush died <laughs> <that> down. <laughs> you know, anything was a little bit you know better than that that feeling of just being scared and all that. You know, but. Yeah, no, in all seriousness, I think after that that rush, kind of when you saw that, all right, you know, we're able to handle this, you know, we made out uh, with that situation in the, in the best way possible, you know, didn't have too many complaints, you know, people were getting stuff on time, you know, we we're getting a lot of testimonials and things like that, you know, of people, you know, that actually used it and it was beneficial, that kind of made us, you know, feel a lot more uh, solid about what we were doing.
0: Hmm. Now this this uh, kicking off your business and turning out, you know, twenty thousand dollars of revenue in the first month is a goal that some people want to reach in, you know, a couple of years, but you guys are able to do this in the first year. This was just straight up the, the back of Facebook ads and, and video advertising on Facebook.
1: Uh so this is on pretty much everywhere, man. You know, we we started with that, but you know kind of having businesses before and, and being involved in, in you know things that are similar to this we we saw that you know you really have to kind of cover a lot of ground you know you have to basically leave you know you can't leave any stone unturned you know you have to really try to you know reach as far as you can you know whether that's kind of how i mentioned before whether it's online offline uh wholesale type of stuff uh you know Even offering, you know, drop shipping type stuff, affiliate type stuff. It was just like, you know, you can't focus on one thing, you know. If you just do one, you're going to be stuck, you know. You got to, you know, just look at it as you have a product to sell, now how are you going to sell it, you know. Like, clear your mind and Mm -hmm. just hit every single angle you can to sell it, you know.
0: Right, and you think of the typical... An uh, entrepreneur typical uh, store that gets created. The, the focus is typically on Instagram or running Facebook ads. Where do you think that you, you if you could if you could make a suggestion? Where do you think entrepreneurs should focus their attention on where there is opportunity for them to to market or get sales that you don't see as many people taking advantage of?
1: Yeah, so you know those obviously are, are the main ones. Uh, you know another thing to kind of look at that I, I think is you know, possibly a little bit difficult for some to do, but, you know, it would be a lot of like the different search platforms that are always good. Uh, You know, especially when you're branding a product, Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that we see some people not really taking advantage of, you know, whether it's paid, whether it's natural search, whether it's, you know, different types of articles that, you know, are kind of more like soft selling type of stuff, you know, things that are, you know, not, not necessarily just, you know, something that's very intuitive, you know, for somebody to do, you know, you'd be surprised on what would bring in sales, you know, like, a just a general, you know, everything from like consistent blog posts bring sales, you know, to, you know, the email marketing obviously is another big one that, that is, uh, uh very useful. Uh, but yeah, like just, you know, th- those types of sources are always, always solid.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're talking about specifically like SEO for a search engine like Google, uh, and you're you're mentioning creating uh, blog posts. Now, are these blog posts or the the content that you're talking about these articles? Are they being written in house by you guys, or are you guys working with contractors? Like, how do you build up? Because it sounds like something that takes a lot of time, right? You have to have someone that knows SEO. You have to you have to produce a lot of content. How are you able to to do this? Um, you know, with with a startup essentially
1: yeah so some of it initially we were writing uh, some of these articles uh but yeah eventually you know you kind of come up with the idea of of uh what you want you know to cover and we would outsource the writing uh you know give them you know specs on what we want to cover what you know it should it should have what it shouldn't have things like that and just go back and forth with several different writers you know until you find one that you know you like their style, you like how they uh, speak or come off when when uh, you read an article by them. But yeah, it takes a lot of trial and error. To find something.
0: Yeah. Now, do you find that the the outsourcing articles performed as well as the the work that you guys are putting out?
1: Uh yeah. Once we found the right the the correct writer, yeah, definitely did. Yeah. But, yeah. In the beginning, not at all, man. Because they, you know, you, you have to kind of. Find somebody that you're on the same, you know, you know, same page with, you know, so to speak. You know, you'd get, you know, a lot of outsourced writers that are not familiar with terminology that is not, you know, doesn't doesn't really resonate with the reader. Versus when you got somebody that kind of knows the space, or you know, even better if you could find, you know, an hobbyist, an enthusiast, you know, even do some, you know, trades with them to write write stuff. You know, I know a lot of you know people starting out are. You know, strapped for uh, money, you know, resources, you know, that could work, you know, offering, you know, barter type services, you know, they'll write an article, you give them a product or, you know, reviewers always contact us, we'll send them a product to get an article in exchange. You know, that works too.
0: Yeah. And, you know, a writer, an outsourced writer, you can find a bunch of them. And I think a lot of their, because they are writers, because they make their money this way, I think a lot of them, they could potentially sometimes oversell or overpromise what they can deliver in terms of their expertise or uh, the the quality of the articles. What do you do these days to to see through that, to cut through that and really understand which writers are legitimate and which ones, uh, you know, you can pass on?
1: Yeah, I guess it's kind of, you know, you test them out and, and see how the article sounds, you know, like it, it, what we found that does the best is, you know, you, you, you want to read something and you want to feel like someone is just, you know, just normally talking to you, you know, you don't want to, you know, especially if that's the intent, like a blog post, you know, you don't want to sell somebody on it, you know, you just want to offer something to, you know, whether it's it's an existing customer or a potential customer, somebody to, you know, come onto your site and get something informational that they didn't have before without being overly sold, like you said, you know? So I guess it's just got to kind of read well, you know, it, it right. almost has to okay. seem like you're talking to a friend versus a salesman.
0: So do you, do you give them like a writing project or something? How do you, how do you uh, make sure, how do you find out if they are going to be a good fit uh, and good voice for your brand or not?
1: Man, it's very, very difficult. You really can't off the bat because you know, like you said, you know, some of these writers do it professionally. Uh, you know, it's, you know, you you may be presented something or examples of writing, mm-hmm. but, before, but really it's, it's all about just trial and error. You just have to kind of, you know, eat, eat the cost or whatever right. it is, an article like that and just, you know, see, you know, how you feel about it, you know, or, you know, you get a couple of sample paragraphs of something, if you can work out something like that and you'll see, you know, if it makes sense or if it reads right, if mm-hmm. it doesn't.
0: And can you give an idea of what kind of budget we're talking about when you want like a, one article written like how many words or how many how many words the, it, it encompasses and how much it could potentially cost? Right. Uh,
2: eight, nine, 8 9 cents a word. Yeah, it comes out to
1: about that much, 8 to 9 cents a word, usually um, for a you know, pretty good writer, I would say.
0: Got it. And where, where are you looking these days to to find uh, writers?
1: Uh, We've tried several different sources, but I I think the one that we've had the most success with has been uh, Rider Access. This is a pretty good service. Uh, We've had, you know, pretty good results with, with them so far yeah
0: now what kind of direction do do you give once you do have a writer that you want to work with and you guys are ready to, to 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 produce some content like what do you tell them like what kind of brief or what kind of information do you give them to give them a start on on the content
1: yeah so you know a, lo- a lot of ours is uh, of our posts and things like that we kind of focus on you know the informational type of uh articles versus you know like a uh, story or something like that you know so it's it's pretty straightforward i would say because you're kind of you know kind of telling them you know hey, this is you know let's say we want to talk about you know the items that you need to be prepared for an emergency you know what are some essentials you know you will do some research on our end if it's if it's something that's you know a little bit more serious for example like for our emergency kit type items you know we, we will do research on you know, a FEMA website, you know, Red Cross, things like that, to see, you know, what are some essentials? Because if you're really, you know, putting this out there, you, know, you want it to have some use as well, you know, like uh, there's a lot of sites you'll see that it's just, you know, pumping out content that is kind of meaningless almost, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, once you settle on a topic, you know, we'll do a little bit of research ourselves and just have, you know, the do's and don'ts and nothing too, too specific. Once you find the right person, you know, but yeah, if, if if the person is not, you know, if you're testing somebody out and this and that, you know, the more specific you are with specs and, and things like that, the better. But once you kind of have a working relationship with somebody, they already know your style, you know, your side and things like that. And it gets <clears throat> less and less uh uh, Time-consuming to work with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes sense, and yeah, I think you also mentioned that today. Other than SEO, one of the the, the effective marketing channels for you is uh, through video advertising. Can you say a little bit more about this? Like, what what platforms are you you uh, buying video ads on?
1: Yeah, so our, our main video advertising uh, we buy on is again Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I, I would say probably it's one of the more challenging things that that we're dealing with now. It's just it's really hard finding a good editor, a good, uh, creator of content like that, you know? So that's, that's probably, I don't know, looking at the different sources of, uh, uh you know, marketing that we do, I would say that one's probably one of the harder ones mm-hmm. just because it's really, you know, time consuming, you know, you have to try out different variations and, and things like that. So it gets, it's pretty difficult. You know, that's, it's, it's yeah. one where we need some help for sure. Can you, can you talk to
0: us a little about your, your workflow when you guys sit down to create a video ad? Or are you creating the the raw assets yourself first and then saying to editor, like what's the entire process And once you guys decide, okay, we want to create a new video ad. What are the next steps?
1: Yeah. So initially what we would do is, you know, we would shoot the raw content ourselves and then come up with kind of, you know, looking at some other advertisements to see how people are doing things or, you know, trying to figure out what the message is that we want to get across uh, we would develop, you know, a little bit of a, let's say, a storyline, you know, some essential clips for sure that we need. And then we would look at, you know, different texts that we we have been using, you know, text that, is, uh, that has been performing in the actual uh, advertisements, you know, how to incorporate that, you know, what kind of flow do you want, you know, for the video. It's, uh, it's yeah, there's a, there's a lot that's involved in it, really. But, you know, now as, as we've kind of... You know, developed over time, you know, we try to have the content uh, shot, the the raw footage shot. And then, you know, we have an in-house editor that will go through clips. uh, You know, we'll we'll do some ourselves just to see, you know, and try out different variations to see if the beginning of one is working versus the other one. If not, you know what to change. You change font styles, you change transitions, things like that. It gets um, very time consuming.
0: (laughs) Mm-hmm. So this is something you guys are doing daily where you're creating new videos every day?
1: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, we're very, very, very hands-on with, you know, everything that we, we do uh, with this. So, yeah, all, all day, man, different coming up with new, you know, different pitches, different content, different photos, different, yeah, it's yeah. a daily thing, Yep. Yeah.
0: Now for a, a video ad specifically, is there a recommended length that, that has worked well for you guys?
1: Uh, no, no, nothing recommended, but, you know, we try to stay in like the thirty second or less, uh, uh, time, but nothing, you know, too, too, uh, mm-hmm. specific, you know?
0: Right. And do you try to get across specific points or anything or is it a specific kind of message in the very first, you know, five, 10 seconds? It's
2: really difficult to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I I bet, could. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could, but it's very hard to do.
0: Man. Maybe you can tell us like what, what should you certainly include in a, in a video ad? You know obviously a, a video of the product itself, but what other kind of details do you recommend people include in, the, in their video ads?
1: Yeah, it's just mainly you know the, the product itself as a whole, uh, you know features of it, you know different types of you know angles of the product is always good. You know, showing, uh, you know, somebody with it, you know, holding it, mm-hmm. using things like that are always good, um, especially in, in video, like you have to do things in, in, you know, kind of relative to the environment. So, for example, like if I have, you know, a shot of our, our kit on the on the ground, let's say, and there's nothing else around it, you know, somebody might think it's a, it's a really big kit versus it not being that, that large in size. So... You know, the more you could show people using it, uh, it's always good.
0: Got it. And have you noticed a difference between your experience on selling video or putting up video ads on Facebook versus uh, video ads on Instagram?
2: Uh, same. Yeah,
1: roughly the same. Roughly
0: the same, yeah. And can, I want to take a look now about about your site itself. So lots of lots of things going on when I first come to your site. You have you know I see free shipping, I see ten under ten dollars, I see a, a banner that tells us, tells me about new products that you've added. What what goes into the design of your of your page? It looks like very purposeful. Right? There are certain things that you want to certain messages you want to put across, certain things you want the audience or the visitor to focus on. How did you guys approach creating and designing the the site?
1: You know, that's a that's a permanent banner that, you know, anytime something new is added, you know, people could see that. And then, you know, you have to have, you know, some of the specials that we we promote, you know, so like the free shipping, the 10 under 10. So it's just, it's basically different, you know, kind of I would call them almost campaigns that you come up with and uh, to have on the site. Um, you know, and then the other thing you, you really have to keep in mind is that, you know, a lot of the users are mobile, so some of this stuff is not, you know, uh, not too, too relevant to those types of users, you know. So, you, you know, some advice to, to people listening, you know, would be you, know, you really, really have to design for both uh, in mind, you know. Right. It's, yeah, it's very important.
0: Now, when I come to the product page, I can I, the, the immediate reactions I get from looking at a product page is that a lot of focus on trust and building that trust with the customer. Uh, also, some urgency in, in here as well and lots of social proof with the reviews. And again, going back to the trust, uh, showing the, the re- number of reviews that you guys have. There's the money-back guarantee, online support, 24-7, uh, Better Business Bureau accredited. So these are a lot of details, I think. It's a great example for someone to go and check out at website stealthangel-survival.com. Dot com uh, of examples of things that you might want to include in your site. Now, what, what's the thought process behind the, the product page? Like, how did you guys decide what to include in, in, into the product page itself?
1: Yeah, so these are, I mean, you know, they're kind of obvious things that you should have. You know, you, you always want to have, you know, reviews, you know, as much as you can, good or bad. You know, you, you want, you know, users to see that, oh, you know, other people have, bought from them. Other people like this, dislike it. You know, you you want it to come across as, you know, being real, you know, uh, the support very important, you know, people always look at, you know, am I going to get continued support from these guys or are are they just going to take my money and not never answer, you know, the BBB stuff is always great, you know, and if you could have any more accreditations like that, that's always a good thing to have, you know, all these improved conversions overall, you know, from the different cards you take to you know secure type of site to you know uh, the the shipping, the reviews, the support like they're very very key things that you know yeah, we think you absolutely need. You know, right?
0: And I, I imagine that you have um, apps to help you power a lot of this. Can you talk to us about that? What kind of applications do you use to 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 help run the business and certainly to have on the site?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we use several different ones, uh, for support. Uh, we've been using an app called, uh, Reamaze, uh, that kind of links everything, uh, together, uh, you know, from your Facebook posts to Instagram stuff. So you kind of hear, uh, people across the board, uh, some of the other apps, uh, I'll let Vi kind of give, uh, give some background on some of the stuff that we use and
2: why, um, one of them that we, the, the formal one is pretty good. The one that kind of shows what other people are buying. Uh, we've been using that one. Yeah, that
1: one is kind of, uh, to expand on it, it's more of like the, uh, uh, you know, like the kind of like, an, not an incredi- accreditation type thing, but almost acts as like a review type of thing to where somebody's on your site, you know, and they're seeing other live users buying things. You know, it just kind of reaffirms, you yeah. know, that A. You know, you know, other people are shopping here, and you know,
2: this is what they're buying. That's mm-hmm. what they're buying. That's been a pretty good Shopify app. Mm-hmm. And for the the other app, we really don't use too many apps. That's probably one of the only third-party apps that we actually have running on the site itself, other than the review. We use a uh, Stamped.io uh, for the actual review mm-hmm. instead of just Shopify's own review uh, plugin. Uh, which has more features, but and other than that, we really don't use too many apps that run on the site itself. Got it.
0: So thank you so much for your time, Kristen Vice. So stealthangelsurvival.com dot com is the website. Uh, what do you guys plan on? On what kind of goals you have for this year? You guys are obviously killing it and growing at a very rapid pace. What What are some of the the key goals that you want to hit on this year?
1: Yeah. So we, you know, mainly, you know, it's adding new products you know, new, innovative type of products. Some of our, you know, growing out the brand a little bit with our own, you know, proprietary products is is one key area that we're focusing on. And then just kind of, you know, expansion into other uh, mediums, really, you know, retail, you know, more of a a wholesale angle. Uh, Those are really the two key things that we want to get done this year.
0: Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode.
1: Maybe that means you experiment with some new line of products and you say, I'm going to make
0: the product more expensive. So that will offset the cost of that third free product. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head
2: over to shopify.com slash blog.